Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. This is quite literally the biggest edition of the Pater Podcast because not only are the Nittany Lions hosting the Michigan Wolverines tomorrow at noon on ABC, but our guest is one of the greatest wide receivers, not only in Penn State history, but currently in the NFL. Allen Robinson, who, of course, has one of the greatest plays in the history of Penn State football and most especially one of the greatest plays in the history of the Penn State-Michigan rivalry. The catch from Christian Hackenberg to Robinson in Happy Valley in 2013, 43 to 44 overtimes. There's nobody better to help us kind of get ready for Michigan. So we're going to give you guys our perspective on what we're thinking for the game this Saturday. And then, of course, we have a great conversation with Allen Robinson still to come. But before that, we're going to pay some bills. We're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, the NHL, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, and especially boxing. By the way, how about last Tuesday was announced that former NFL running back Frank Gore and former NBA guard Darren Williams will be a part of the Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury Showtime pay-per-view card happening on December 18th. In Tampa, of course, where there is a fight, there will be odds to bet on. And Bet Online has made Williams a healthy favorite for the pair's professional boxing debuts. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater podcast. Matt, I am personally a big fan of the Citrus IPA, the Silent Disco IPA, and frankly, they've got like 50 other flavors that if I was just going to be a glutton for uh, joy, really, I would buy them all and drink them all. But seriously, we love the Funk Brewing guys. Yeah, great brewery. Uh, they do a great job. As you mentioned, a ton of different flavors, a ton of different beers. Uh, again, a lot of options, a lot of different things to, uh, to choose from. They have summer beers, fall beers, winter beers, spring beers, beers for any time of the year, really, Tom. <laughs> and again, they're a great company. And as I've mentioned before, you know, they've helped me out every single year um, you know, with my charity golf tournament. So really a fantastic company, uh, great people, and they make great beer. 
a perfect thing for tailgating for the Penn State Michigan game, in my opinion. Uh, you you can find Funk Brewing at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Trust me, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer loving taste buds. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Well, fall is here, and we all could use a stiff breeze. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. They always say first impressions are important. Well, what about lasting impressions? So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code PAYDER, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluechew for sponsoring the PayDirt podcast. It's a big addition of this, uh, this, this podcast, isn't it, Matt? We're very excited. Very big. Very big. <laughs> All right. So thank you all for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. You guys have been fantastic. And we're very excited, of course, about this episode, uh, not only because we have Alan Robinson the second still to come here on the show, but also a pretty big game tomorrow in State College, Penn State hosting the Michigan Wolverines. Considering the way that the top 25 has continued to fluctuate, at least in terms of the college football playoff rankings, um, Penn State, I believe earlier this week by some playoff committee members, was referenced as a good team, just continues to be on the outside looking into that top 25. I don't know if any Penn State fan is really shocked by that. However, this is a chance this weekend for Penn State to play spoiler because Michigan is ranked number six in the top 25 college football playoff rankings. So, Let's first dive into what the Michigan defense is all about. Matt, when you turn on the tape, how talented is this Wolverines D? Well, it's night and day from you know last year compared to this year, right? They're doing a lot of great things, Tom. And you know, I'll start with the run game, you know, because we talk about it every week, right? The good and the bad. And I think it's going to be tough to run the football Saturday against this Michigan defense. It's better than one of the one of the better rush defenses in the Big Ten. And I know. Uh, Kenneth Walker, Michigan State exposed them a little bit, but you got to remember right now, Penn State doesn't have somebody playing like Kenneth Walker, right? And let's be honest, Penn State is the worst rushing team in the Big Ten, Tom, and I, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm saying that. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like wow, you know, it really. Is. And, I'm not, and I'm not picking on them. I'm really not, but that's, that's just the way it is. And look, you look at Purdue. Purdue's maybe behind them statistically. We all know what Purdue is, right? A heavy, heavy pass team who's going to win and lose because of it. But what's tough, man, is you know, a lot of times depending on formation, you know, uh, Michigan's going to keep seven guys. They're going to keep eight guys in 
and around the box. Like sometimes it'll be man coverage. Like they want to shut the run down. They'll bring, you know, uh, number 23 linebacker, Michael Barrett off the edge to create some five man looks to try to stop the run. That is where they need to take advantage of an advantageous look, Tom, right? Throw that bubble, throw that wide receiver screen and force a safety to try to cover a wide receiver from 10 yards away because he's trying to make up for the blitzing linebacker. You need to take care of those looks, keep this blitzing secondary, these blitzing linebackers honest, try to spread them out a little bit so you could have some success in the run game. And you look at the pass game, you're going to see some man coverage with guys like Vincent Gray and DJ Turner who do a pretty good job of it. They'll change up coverage on you a little bit as well. Like they'd like to give you a lot of different looks. This isn't, again, going back to 2020, this isn't what we saw with Don Brown, where it was man coverage, man coverage, man coverage, go beat man coverage, right? That's not going to happen, right? They're they're constantly changing up their looks. He's got to be able to see coverage and make good decisions on Saturday. You can't let 97 take this game over. So whatever you have to do, you need to game plan around him. Running backs stay in the block. Running backs need to chip on their way out. Tight ends need to chip before they get out. You want to do short motion, crack back blocks, whatever you have to do. You have to keep 97 on his toes. Make sure his head's on a swivel at all times. Don't let him bull rush. Don't let him be able to just go, Tom. And how do you do that sometimes as well? Use your cadence. You're playing at home Saturday. Crowd's going to be electric. Use your cadence. Every cadence you have should be used. Senior Aiden Hutchinson, 6'6", 265 pounds, the uh, number 97 that you're referencing. He is probably going to be a very high draft pick uh, and have a very nice career in the NFL. Considering what Jahan Dotson did last week against Merrill, and granted, it was Merrill. 11 receptions, 242 yards, three touchdowns, longest touchdown catch of his career, most receiving yards in a single game by a Penn State wide receiver. I'd be curious what Allen Robinson feels about that. But, uh, you know, it's how much is the Michigan defense going to be keying on Jahana more than usual? And then where does the pressure fall? Are the other pass catchers or is that on Sean Clifford to kind of diversify things? Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be, you know, some type of pressure, some type of want to get the ball. To Jahad Dotson, but look as a quarterback, that's that's it's one of the last things you want to do, right? Let the game. I know everybody, uh, you know, coach talk, whatever it is, let the game come to you, whatever. But that's that's true in a way, Tom. Right? L- let the play calls come in. What coverage is it? All right, I got a chance to find Jahan. I go there. They did a great job of it last week, changing up where he was uh, formationally. You know, first down is going to be huge for this offensive for Jahad Dotson, right? Michigan's going to bring a lot of first first down pressure. At least that's what they did against Indiana, right? They try to keep them behind the sticks and force them into obvious passing downs. And I bring up Indiana because I can see them doing the same thing to Penn State on Saturday. Now, obviously, Sean Clifford's a much better passer than than, uh, McCulley is for Indiana. But living in that second and long, living in that third and long world is brutal, and it can be brutal for Jahad Dotson, right? get chances, get positive yards, excuse me, get positive yards on first down so that you can get chances, second to medium, second and short, to where they have to respect everybody on the field. And I think that's when Jahan will be able to create big moments. And if this is a game where Jahan is quiet and he's a decoy and it works out for other guys, then so be it. If it, if it leads in the right direction, then that's a winning formula. He's got, um, Tom, he's got to, like, he, he, like, he's too good enough to not, like, get his catches right he's gonna get his he's gonna get his catches but is it gonna be six catches for 58 yards or is it gonna be six catches for 
115 yards, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That That's going to be the big difference in the game. Yeah, these are going to be opportunities where the tight ends, guys like Parker mm-hmm. Washington, uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, there's, there's going to be opportunities. I'm very excited to see how that goes down. How many pass attempts do you think Sean Clifford has called for him by Mike Yursich tomorrow? Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, 47 attempts against Maryland. Yeah. 56 dropbacks the week before uh, against Ohio State. I don't see them. I don't see them throwing the football that many times on Saturday afternoon. I can see him. I could see him throwing the football anywhere from 35 to 37, 38 times, something like that. I think if you could do that, you know, he can be upwards towards 70% completion percentage, not turn the football over, that they're going to have a chance to win the game. And that is with a positive run game, right? And again, we've talked about it multiple times. I don't need big 15, 20 yard runs every time you're running it. Just get me positive yards, right? Two yards, four yards. Maybe break one for eight yards every now and then. Just just give me something so that I can open up the entire playbook to Sean Clifford and company so I could go play action. I could go quick game. I could take shots downfield. Knowing that if I miss a shot downfield, I could still come back and run the football for a positive game. This feels like one of those games where on Monday you and I are going to be like, man, they should have played the field position game. They should have punted. Like, you know, I'm not saying Penn State loses this game. I'm just saying that. This is the number six defense in country in terms of points allowed in the Michigan Wolverines. You've got to be smart with field position. You have got to take the freaking points, <laughs> and it's okay it's, to punt. It's funny. It's funny you bring up the field position game because that's exactly what I was thinking when it comes to this Michigan offense versus this Penn State defense. It's going to be fun. Uh, so that is what Michigan's defense can do. And then on the flip side, the Penn State defense, they are no slouches themselves. They are number 11 overall in FBS in terms of points allowed. They continue to be the consistency of this Penn State football team. Um, they looked excellent uh, against Maryland as expected. In fact, they were great against Ohio State, just not enough to get the job done. This is a very interesting offense in that, granted, you understand what Michigan wants to do. They want to run the football, 234 yards rushing per game behind um, Haskins and Corum. Those two are outstanding. Michigan is seventh overall in the country in rushing per game. At the same time, the passing game seemed like it did find a groove for Mm -hmm. Michigan against Michigan State. What do you think of McNamara when you watch Yes, yes, Tom, you're right. And just because they want to run the football doesn't mean that they can't throw it. Do not disregard Cade McNamara and Michigan's ability to throw the football. He threw it well against Michigan State. He threw it well against Nebraska. He threw it well against Wisconsin. This isn't a one-dimensional offense by any means. The kid can throw the football. And like, what's, what's separating Michigan now, and a lot of people aren't talking about it, I think is that wide receiver group that they have. Cornelius Johnson went for 108 yards versus Indiana. Andrell Anthony went for a buck 55. And Eric All had 98 yards against Michigan State. Roman Wilson, 81 yards against Wisconsin. Uh, Sainra still has very, been very consistent for them this year. So any one of these wide receivers can show up for them in the past game. You mentioned Cade McNamara. Very safe with the football. He has no problem checking it down. Right, Penn State's going to have to rally defensively to the ball, and they're going to have to tackle. And what I was talking about earlier... Michigan's offense versus this Penn State defense. I feel like it's going to be a very patient football game. We all know Penn State's defense doesn't break. Michigan really doesn't make mistakes. They don't force throws. Like um, McNamara takes care of the football. Haskins and Blake Corm have not put the football on the ground this year, Tom. 
field position is going to be huge, right? I can see this game playing out like Penn State, Wisconsin, rather than that Michigan, Michigan State game, right? Real high scoring game. I can see this game, you know, being, you know, mid to low scoring type game. I think your best chance to create turnovers is when number nine's in the game for Michigan. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He's a talented player, but he threw a pick last week. He's fumbled the football, right? I think when he's in the game, you need to change up defense. You got to bring, you got to bring pressure, you know, and uh, they'll, again, they'll run it with him as well. And you mentioned the run game. They love to run that stretch play and that's what Illinois ran. So we're going to mm-hmm. see if Penn State has an answer for that. Going to be interesting. Kate McNamara, number 12, on number nine that you mentioned, J.J. McCarthy. They have gone back and forth on quarterbacks. It seems like McNamara is probably the guy. Like, it's just kind of loose. My question to you is, it feels a little similar to when Penn State played Auburn earlier this season, and uh, Bo Nix obviously was under center for the Tigers. Is this a game that if Penn State makes Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy be the reason Michigan wins the game, that Michigan will not win the game. See, I don't know because Cade McNamara has proven that he can throw the football, right? That was one of the bigger questions about this Michigan team, especially early on in the year. It's like, yeah, they, they love to run the football. They've got two fantastic running backs who are running for over 100 yards each and every week. Could Cade McNamara lead this team with his right arm? And there's been some times this year where he's made some great throws. And a few of those games I pointed out are games where he's had big yardage, right? And he's done a good job of that. Um, you know, he is a bit of a game manager, right? But he's perfect for that type of offense, Tom. A run-heavy offense who's going to be successful because they are capable of running the football whenever they want, and they have a quarterback who is smart, sees coverage, understands the game, understands how to play the quarterback position and doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So they're, they're going to have a chance to win any game that they're in. One last question for you, and then we'll be getting to the full interview with Allen Robinson here in a moment. Obviously, we understand the stakes for Michigan. They are number six in the college football rankings, uh, college football playoff rankings, excuse me. So we understand Penn State's trying to play spoiler. However, if the Nittany Lions beat Michigan, what is your thought of this win? What is the meaning behind this win for Penn State's season on the other side, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it, look, it'd be huge. I mean, it just, it's one of those things, Tom, where they beat Michigan, you immediately think to yourself, ah, what could have been, right? You know, and that's kind of sad in a way, but also it's a great thing because it mm-hmm. shows you how strong, it shows you how strong this team is. Right, it shows you how strong that bond of the team is that we always talk about. How that's tested week in and week out shows you how, you know, these kids continue to show up to practice each and every day. They continue to want to compete um, because, look, Tom, as a football player, you understand the position that you're in. You understand you've lost three games. You understand that you're probably not going to get to the Big Ten championship game. Like you're not getting to the playoff. Right, you're you're fighting for a great bowl game. You know, right now is what you're doing. But you know uh, what you find out is that, you know, who's going to show up when you have a chance to take the field and a chance to compete and a chance to win. So, I mean, look, if they go out there, they, they take care of business, they play spoiler, they win this game. Shows It shows a lot of what this Penn State team, this Penn State program is made of. Can show a lot of grit and uh, can restore a lot of hope mm-hmm. for Penn State to potentially be able 
to win out and maybe finish the season nine and three, which I know a month ago, if I told that to people, they laughed in my face considering the way Penn State was playing. So uh, I would say a lot about James Franklin and the tenacity of uh, himself and his staff, but most especially uh, his players from hanging in and fighting. So Penn State collides with Michigan tomorrow at noon on ABC. I cannot wait for that game. Coming up in a matter of moments, we will have a full interview with former Penn State wide receiver and current Chicago Bear star, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Allen Robinson, the man behind the catch from the Penn State-Michigan 2013 game. That is coming up next. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that all of us involved here in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of Thon also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag me in is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We want to invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. Tag Me In United is a proud partner and supporter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, also known as NAMI. If you'd like to show your support, you can purchase a Tag Me In t-shirt right now at prowrestlingtees.com slash tagmeinunited, and the proceeds will be gifted to NAMI. The link to this is provided in the description of this podcast. You are not alone. Tag Me In. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Here's Hackenberg. He's going to go for it right here. And Robinson comes down with it. At the one-yard line. And joining us now, it is former Penn State wide receiver and current Chicago Bear, Allen Robinson II. Dude, thank you for being on the show. This is very cool. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. We all just saw and heard what you did in the Michigan game back in 2013. It is one of the most iconic plays, in my opinion, in the history of Penn State football. And as we get ready for Penn State versus Michigan, which is tomorrow, we were like, OK, there's nobody better for us to go get than Allen Robinson. And you just happened to be having a fantastic career in the NFL. So just to get us started here, like, how's life, man? Like, things are going it's pretty good. well. Yeah, man, it's good, man. You know, I will say, I feel like the time, you know, from playing professional sport, time goes so fast. And I tell everybody, it, it literally feels like I was in college longer than I've been actually in the in the NFL, which is pretty crazy. So, you know, but everything is going well, man. No complaints over here. How much do you miss State College, the community? 
Man, I miss it a lot, you know, especially, you know, um, it's it's no place quite like playing at Happy Valley. You know, I think that even when you go to the NFL, I probably would say one of the better experiences that I've had was this past weekend playing against Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, on Monday night. Um, that was my first time playing there, but that was probably one of the closest kind of stadiums that I've come to to kind of give me that like Penn State, like college feel. Yeah, right in Pennsylvania. And, and man, dude, you get to play at Soldier Field at home on a regular basis. So you, you've you lucked out in a lot of ways, man. For sure, um, for sure. So you and Matt cross paths briefly uh, at Penn State. You were a freshman when I think Matt was in his like ninth year of eligibility. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> so you got to help me out. You got to give me some dirt. What was McGloin like as a teammate? Man, I would say the funniest thing probably is seeing Matt and uh, OB go at it. Ooh. That probably would be that's probably because it's like you got two super competitors and, and guys who know what they're doing, you know, who for the most part is are fighting the same battle, you know. So it used to be funny sometimes, whether it's in game O'Brien not getting the uh, call in fast enough, or if it's like in practice, a certain thing that OB wanted wanted Matt to do. So those those used to be pretty funny to look at, you know, during practice and in, uh, in, uh, in the game. Did you kind of get more comfortable being like around uh, like Bill O'Brien, as you mentioned, and Matt and stuff? Because you were just a freshman. You just walked in the door at the time. Matt was a, a redshirt junior. And then obviously the, the 2012 season uh, was monumental for Penn State. But what, what were those kind of like baby steps like in Happy Valley? Man, um, it was a lot, you know, just as far as, you know, once kind of, you know, Bill O'Brien got there. I think that, you know, the style of play and things like that that he was going to implement, you know, to the team was what, like, we needed at that point. Hold on one second. My daughter's like... That's not good. Hold on one second. Yeah, I think it's funny, Tom, um, because, like, looking back on it now, I I had the chance to play with Allen for two years at Penn State, 2011 and 2012. And, like, 2011 was, you know, Allen's freshman year. He had three catches. I mean... he probably should have been doing a lot more for us in 2011 as a freshman, but as you know, Tom, like that wasn't, that wasn't Joe's way. Like it wasn't Joe's way, you know, play the freshman or or play, you know, Alan, I was just talking to Tom about, you know, having the opportunity to play with you for two years at Penn state and, you know, your freshman year, you had three catches. Like I was saying, I was saying to Tom, like you probably should have been doing more that year, but you know how Joe was like, yeah. Freshman, the freshman wasn't going to play a lot. Nine times out of 10, the freshman was going to red shirt with yeah. his turn. But like going into uh, my my fifth and final year and Allen's second year, you know, uh, nobody really knew what he was capable of doing except us. Like the outside yeah. world, because you got to remember, Justin Brown transferred, Devin Smith transferred. Mm-hmm. So Allen was our leading wide receiver heading into 2012. And people look at him like, well, he's only had three catches in his career, but it's like, it's not like this, this kid had a great spring. He had a great summer. He had a great training camp. So everybody inside the facility knew it was only a matter of time before this guy broke loose and dominated the college football scene, which he was able to do in 2012 and 2013. And that brings me to 2013. And obviously this Michigan game, it's funny, Tom and I were talking today, Allen, about the catch. And it's like, that's going to be played a hundred times today, tomorrow. It's going to be played. It's going to be played 50 times throughout the game on Saturday. So talk me through that play. Talk me through that moment. Do you remember the play call? Yeah. So it was just strictly all go. We had actually 
ran all go earlier in the drive and had um, comebacks on the outside. And I caught that earlier in the drive. I had a catch, which I actually think was a better catch than the actual catch. <laughs> but so and then the next play we called all go. And then he threw it to Brandon Felder, which almost got intercepted, mm-hmm. you know. So I remember watching it. I see Brandon come down when I'm like, oh, like we actually have like a chance. Like we're getting like closer, like. Brandon just caught that. So then he calls it again. And I just had a feeling he was going to come to me. So once I got down there and I, I saw him like throwing the ball, no, I just wanted to make a play. And it's kind of funny because I feel like I was in like the perfect position, like like right behind the DB, like perfect ball place, like ball position to be able to catch the ball. You know, you mentioned Felder, who he had two touchdown catches, you know, in that game. And he was he was so underrated as a wide receiver. He had a very nice career at Penn State. But you mentioned you had a feeling he was going your way. And like, when you look at that catch, like at that moment, that's like that meme everybody talks about where it shows the quarterback and it's like, yeah, a Rob's down there somewhere. I'm just going to throw it up to him. You know what I mean? But, but knowing, but knowing O'Brien, like it was probably supposed to go to you. I know you mentioned be all go. And obviously you're looking to throw the ball to you, but I felt like bill always did an awesome job of putting you in a position where the ball always had a chance of going your way. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, you had a pretty good idea on most plays. Yeah, the for sure. Man, I would say, honestly, man, I tell everybody this, you know, I give a huge credit to coach O'Brien and coach Dan Hickson and his staff, you know, for, my development and 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 of uh, the maturation of me as a player, you know, like being able to be with those guys in the spring, with the summer watching tape of Brandon Lloyd, Stevie Johnson, Wes Welker, being able to watch tape of all these guys, and then having a super offensive minded head coach as well who came from the next level, you know, he would really challenge me with my routes, challenge me with all the details of what's going on, challenge me on being able to play different spots on the field. You know, so that was something that he challenged me right after my sophomore season. That's something I took and ran with it, you know, and and I think that Coach O'Brien just had the ultimate trust in me of knowing knowing the play, knowing where I need to be at, knowing the timing of everything to where he would just kind of make sure and put me in positions to be able to catch the ball. You know, and that was my exactly my next question, because Bill O'Brien, Charlie Fisher changed my career and they helped me hit the ground running year one in the NFL. You mentioned Stan Hickson, who's a fantastic wide receiver coach. Go into a little more detail for me. How do those guys help make the transition from Penn State to the NFL much more easier for you and much more smooth? Yeah. So I remember my rookie year in NFL, um, based on the system that we had on offense, like we didn't have any sight adjusts on blitz. Yeah. And I'm like, so like it's no sight adjusts in this offense. And they like, nah, mm-hmm. like if it, if they blitz, just I'm like. In college, I ran sighted just off like the wheel linebacker in the, in the free safety. So I already kind of knew based on protections and hots and how that kind of worked getting into the NFL. So once I kind of was able to really get deeper into the NFL, I knew so many different concepts that we already ran. I knew protections where my routes would automatically convert and adjust. You know, I knew, you know, kills because we would have all the time. You know, um, uh, one of our favorite plays at Penn State was magic. And we used to always kill it with a run against too high, you know. So it's like knowing those things and what we're trying to get to was something that I was able to carry to NFL, knowing kind of, okay, this play might get killed. Like pre-snap as a receiver, I know if it's too high, okay, we might run the ball or we might do this or that. Yeah, it's you're exactly right, dude. It just made the transition so much more smooth. And it's like I'm reading the playbook and it's like, oh, this used to be our old special. This used to be the old Tulsa, the old Stanford. So you already knew what you had to do to be able to succeed in that offense. I want to go back 
a little bit here now. So for me, like the whole like recruiting process and everything like that, that it always drove me crazy. Obviously I wasn't a big recruit or whatever it may be. So like when I played in games at Penn state, I think to myself, like, all right, you didn't recruit me. I'm going to show you how big of a mistake that was. Right. I sh- I could be playing here. I could be playing there for you, Alan being from Detroit. What was the recruiting process like for you? Because Michigan, Michigan state didn't offer you. Correct. So how, yeah. How did you slip through the cracks and what led to go to the decision of Penn State? And were you thinking about that throughout that Michigan so, game at all? Yeah, so I'll start and then go backwards. So I totally – Michigan was marked on my schedule since the day I stepped foot <laughs> in state college. And I would say one thing that I – even my parents can attest to is one thing I really, really hate about my career is that I never got a chance to play against Michigan State. Mm. And that's one thing that I say all the time that I hate because my sister went to Michigan State. And I would tell her all the time, like, man, like, y'all are so lucky that we played y'all after I left. Because those are two games I wanted, Michigan, Michigan State. And I really, truly, if I could have it my way, I would have had those on the road at Michigan and at Michigan State. That would have been awesome. So, I, I, yeah, that I love that mentality, awesome you, man. man. Yeah. Just rub it in their faces. I love that. So kind of like that was my mentality then. But like, yeah, so Michigan didn't really recruit me. They were kind of going through a coaching change. Then I think they had just got rid of um, Rich Rod. and They were bringing in Brady Hoke around that time. So that was kind of like right after my senior season, like going in and whatnot. And then Michigan State actually wanted me to play a defensive back, which I didn't want to do. So like, so that that was the thing is like I could have went to Michigan. Like, honestly, I could have went to Michigan State if I wanted to play defense. But I didn't I didn't want to play defense. So um, for me, it was like, OK, like I know receiver the best. I want to play receiver. And then at that time as well, my high school quarterback, um, Rob Bolden, had went to Penn State as well. So I had been able to go up there a decent amount and kind of, you know, get a feel for everything. My parents loved it, you know, and it just it just felt right. You know, you mentioned Michigan State, and you know, I I went back and looked at some of like the the records over the, the past years, and since two thousand eight, Penn State seven and four against Michigan, and for me, and I I you know I, I don't know if it's just like a generational thing because I'm sure the Penn State players from the seventies, eighties, nineties, you know what I mean, early two thousands, they may have you know a different thought on this, but for me, Penn State Michigan has been more of a rivalry over the past 10, 15 years, and I think anyone else in the big 10, right? You mentioned Michigan state, Ohio state, but this has been the game right here. Like this week, like it just, it feels different. Do you feel that way now? Did you feel that way about Michigan? Yeah, I definitely felt that way. I remember just, it was the night game. I remember going into the game, like my family came up, uh, my buddy, Jawan Howard's son, uh, uh, he came up. So, you know, um, so it was like a lot of people like coming to this game who were from Michigan like, I remember taking the bus ride to the game, and it's, like, packed. The only time I could ever remember being more packed was my freshman year when we played against Alabama. But as we're taking a drive to the stadium, there's tens of thousands of people out there. You know, just the whole atmosphere going into that game was just different. Like, it, and, and for me as well, it was different. You know, it was against Michigan. I had a lot of buddies who played on the team. Some of my close, closest of friends who I grew up with and stuff like that played on the team. Actually, one of my – buddies played middle linebacker and he was supposed to come to Penn State and he ended up committing to Michigan late you know so it was a lot going into going into the game for me and then once it kicked off like I, I wanted to just play the best game that I could yeah a couple more questions from me then I'll, I'll pass it back to Tom Allen can't thank you enough for for joining us here today what you know what was your favorite moment about game day at Penn State I just I feel like there's a number of things 
that are so special about that tradition yeah. leading up to going to the stadium, seeing all the fans. Talk a little bit about that. Man, I would probably say either between the bus ride or once we kind of get to the stadium and throw a little bit before we have our pads on. Because when we first get into the stadium, I don't think it's many stadiums in the country that have 20,000 students in the stadium already. Twenty, You know what I'm saying? 25,000 students in the, stadium, in the stadium already, you know, so – those are the things that I remember and then just running out the tunnel. But it's so many different things that, man, like when I think about it, like, I may hear an album like like Kanye West and Jay-Z watch the throne. I immediately think of my freshman year at Penn State and like going through like the routes on airlines and like and like hearing that hearing the music and stuff like that. So there's so many things that you could take away, man. It's such a special yeah. environment. You know, it's crazy. Like I love the bus ride. I always loved like, you know, quarterback was the first one off the bus and then O'Brien changed that when he got there, Bill felt he had to be the first one off the bus for some reason. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, what, what I always thought was cool, Alan was like, you walk out of the tunnel, as you mentioned for like, you know, warming up with the wide receivers and running backs, whatever it may be like the grass, when you walk on the grass, like I always got a weird feeling like, cause it felt like carpet. Like I felt like fast for some reason, even I though mean, I'm, I'm not, a- even though I'm not, but I'm a person to this day who really, really, really enjoys and loves playing on grass. You know, I tell you all the time, maybe that was because I got to play my entire college career on a nice grass, like super well-kept stadium. But it's like, for me now, I love grass. Like playing on grass is like, I'm the type of person, like as soon as we see like turf or an indoor stadium or something like that, I'm like, damn, it's turf. Like I have an ultimate love and respect for playing on grass. And I think that that definitely you know, started kind of at Penn State. Yes, and if Penn State ever tries to go to turf, I might yeah, start a no way. I might start a petition. I might start no a petition. Way. They'd have to, I'll, be the first, I'll be the first one on it. <laughs> they'd have to, they would have to tear down Beaver Stadium to even think about doing that. Oh, but. I hope not. Last one. Last oh, one for man. me, Alan. I'll yeah. pass it back to Tom, man. So walking into Penn State 2011 for you to where you are now in 2021, 10 years, right? What are your thoughts on the way the program has changed and developed over that course of time. I like it, man. Um, I went to uh, to the week one game against Wisconsin. I think that was week one. Well, whenever it was, I went to the Wisconsin game this mm-hmm. year, man, and just to see the energy of those guys, you know, in the locker room after the win, you know, the discipline that they have and the respect that they have for the program and for Coach Franklin, you know, like you can see that right away, man. It's like, you know what I'm saying, like how he has – you know, command of his team and just how much fun they're having, the environment that they've built. You know, it's a it's a special place, man. And I'd love to see it adapt and develop over the years to still be a very respectable place that people go to, you know, love to play competitive, you know, fun, you know, still as far as, you know, just as strict on the classroom and stuff like that, you know, from talking to guys like TK and stuff. So, I mean, I, I've loved, I love where the program is at right now. And you talk about, Alan, the maturation of the program over the years. I mean, the place has become, in my opinion, a wide receiver factory. And uh, there are obviously talented guys that were in the classes before you. I think about D Wheels and uh, Butler and Jordan Norwood, but like yourself and then KJ Hamler um, and now Jahan Dotson, like Chris Godwin for the Bucs just won a Super Bowl. Like, do you look at that and kind of feel like, Penn State's maybe not getting the respect they deserve in terms of wide receivers. For sure. And don't forget about tight ends, too. You know, I feel mm. like every time I look up, we got a tight end catching a pass or touchdown in the, in the NFL, you know. So um, 
over the past years, you know, I think just from an offensive standpoint in general, you know, I think that we've had a lot of guys come out of there, you know, even 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 uh, running back wise, you know, being able to see guys, you know, Saquon, being able to see Miles and we've had a lot of guys, you know, come out, you know, and and truly be able to, to reach and have some success in the in the NFL across the board, but especially at the pass catching position with uh, receivers and tight ends. Now, the downside to that is that I believe on the 21st, uh, your Bears host the Ravens, so you've got to face Odafe Owe, who's having a great rookie season. A little bit different when the dude could take your head off, but, you know, maybe some pleasantries before and after the game, something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, definitely, man. But it's the game, man. It's always fun being able to compete against, you know, the young guys and just, you know, uh, being able to, like I said before, compete with them and also have conversations with them off the field, you know, because the brotherhood is just as strong. You know, I remember, I remember this past summer training, you know, seeing like Saquon and some of the guys, you know, out and just being able to, you know, sit down and talk to a totally different group of class of players, but you have the same respect, the same brotherhood as if you play together, you know. So being able to see that and just and just having that across the league is is very special. I, I got to say, and Matt, I don't know what you think, but like my mind is still blown thinking of this alternate universe where Allen Robinson played defensive back for Michigan State. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sure you would have done great, but like I forgot about what? it. I forgot about it. I forgot about it as soon as Allen said it when in one I year. Can't believe the other. That. I, 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 I will say this, though. I will say this. You know, once the sanctions and stuff kind of hit, we were a little bit low at corner. So coach, coach John Butler at the time, Coach O'Brien was telling him like some like think of some creative outside the box ways for us to get better on defense. So Coach Butler was kind of asked me as far as like how would I feel about playing defense a little bit, you know? And then and then like Coach O'Brien immediately shot it down. But like in the <laughs> spring, like we would be like we would. This is serious. So like in the spring, we would do like seven on seven. I would maybe get like a couple of defensive reps. So we'll do like one on ones in the spring, and I would get like some defensive reps. So going into your year, I had stayed. Me and O'Brien had it set to whereas if I played as a senior in my senior year and I had over 90 catches as a junior, I could play defense my senior year as well. <laughs> That's so cool, man. Hey, you want it more? You're ambitious, dude. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and he told me, he said, he's like, look, you have over 90 catches, you can play defense next year. <laughs> yeah, he says that. And we have you know what? Like you, we're you not doing what? this with Alan. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Alan? Like that. It's like like we're like it's like we're laughing about it today, dude. But like at the time, I, I think, and that's crazy. They were asking like our offensive stars. That's hey, wild. Do you think maybe you could play defense? I I think, and I, I don't know, Alan, if you remember this or not. I think they even asked Mike Mowdy if he ever played offense. Look, we had Gerald Hodges catching punts. Like, yeah, God, like, I forgot. it was Crazy. such an out of the box kind of thought process at that point in time across the board for Bill O'Brien, you know, like, and that's the thing when he said, like, like you have over 90 catches, like O'Brien is not somebody who really like says something. And then like, cause he would just not say it at all. But for him, it's like, if you have over 90 catches, you could play defense. He's like, seriously, like, like we can seriously talk about you play defense. If this, if you do this after this year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's a man of his word. That's awesome. Um, Alan, seriously, thank you so much for joining us. This no is problem, cool. man. Thank you guys for having me. Enjoy the game tomorrow. It's at noon, Michigan versus Penn State on ABC. And good luck against the Ravens. Enjoy the, the downtime following appreciate Monday Night Football. So good luck the rest of the way, Alan. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. Thanks, I Alan. appreciate it. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.